Yeah, but gains, tendies, they're synonymous. All right. I, ho- I hope this uh, this uh, episode is not very long because I really need to hit the washroom after. You realize I'm 100% putting that in the episode. Sure. Welcome to the last 15 with Safe and Amin. Join us as we talk about the stock market, the economy, the latest headlines, and our daily lives. Recorded live during the last 15 minutes of the market and posted right after the closing bell. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Safe and Amin may retain positions and securities discussed in this podcast. <laughs> Everyone, welcome back to the last 15 with Safe and Amin, season two. We're starting fresh, a fresh new season, but but the same old dusts, I would like to say. Wouldn't you agree, Amin? Yeah. I mean, we have a little more experience now, Pat. With what? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, with what? <laughs> but uh, on average, how many notifications do you think you receive from your uh, various market applications on a daily basis? Oh man, at least 20, like Dude, minimum. So, so I have Market Watch, Yahoo Finance, CNBC, Seeking Alpha, Adam Plus, and I just, you know, looked in my notification center. I honestly have just for today, at least 500 notifications from all Holy. those applications. <laughs> well, how, how many stocks do you follow on Seeking Alpha? Uh, it's got to be over 200. Oh, that's why. Yeah. yeah. Every time I look at a yeah. stock, I quickly jump over to Seeking Alpha and add it to the list. Yeah. Honestly, I'm so over Seeking Alpha. It's just, yeah. I mean, you need a full-time job just to follow with those like ridiculous headlines and articles that people publish. But the headlines, I can always tell when they're like opinion pieces just based on right. the headline. So I don't yeah. bother reading them. But like yeah. the, the in-depth analysis ones i actually enjoy reading there's usually a lot of good charts from my friends at y charts check them out yeah it's like a bloomberg terminal at home was it market watch or seeking alpha that says opinion and then tells you what it is in the notification both i think both yeah but i have been noticing that adam is usually a couple minutes faster than seeking alpha on headlines yeah yeah and they tend to have like headlines are not really covered in seeking alpha that, that's why it's really good to have um a bunch of applications if you're really into the markets and you care about all the you know the daily zigs and zags i guess like the zigzag man the zigzag man speaking of the markets let's go over the indices obviously a lot of stuff has happened since we recorded our last episode which i believe was last tuesday and I think last Tuesday was the last green day <laughs> that, that was like completely ridiculous. So the Dow's closed up about 2%, the S&P 500 up another 2%, uh, well above 3,100 now. And NASDAQ, tech heavy NASDAQ is back under 10,000. And uh, the VIX is receding from the highs, which I believe was around 36 yesterday. Right. What, what an insane rally. I mean, was it Wednesday we had a almost a 5 or 6% drop in almost the market? Almost 2,000 points. I think maybe 2,000 points. 
Yeah, I mean, if we didn't, like, in my opinion, if we didn't really get some feedback from Jerome Powell, was it yesterday? And that did some not positive fucking news. help the situation. After his meeting, the stocks dropped even more. I had to pretty much exit all my positions at, like, break even. I have zero open positions now in terms <laughs> of options. Right, but the thing, the thing is, yeah, well, that plus the catalyst from, I don't know, which clinical trial today. Um, because I, I like, I mean, it had it had to somehow go back to twenty nine fifty or those levels. If if you call that support, you, you could. I mean, at this point, everything's so dynamic that you can't really make sense of you know support levels. But um, that that's where I saw things going, and I was hoping for it to go there before I can sell some puts. And I was off by one day, and the market was back up another three four percent, and I'm still all cash. So, yeah, you and I both. All cash. There's this funny meme that I saw on Wall Street Bets of uh, like a cop chase and, and the car in front uh, is the S&P 500 and the cop car is, is named the Global Pandemic and he tries a couple <laughs> really? times to like knock him. You know, the right. maneuver that cops try to do, but it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what's happening. And, and then there's another one that says, Hail Jerome, Prince of Thieves, robbing everyone who has savings and treasury bonds to give tendies to the Robin Hood squad. And I totally uh, agree with that. Like yeah. the Fed has now started buying corporate bonds, I believe. Right. Yeah. And, and, and for a lot of people, that's, you know, uh, that's good news because the Fed is trying to do everything within their means that's possible to kind of keep this market afloat and support, you know, well, they're supporting the credit markets for sure. Cause that's the most important, uh, market out there before equities. But, uh, the way I see it is completely is, is the, is the complete opposite because if, if they're going to such an extreme level where they have to really purchase corporate bonds, that means we're at such a, you know, distressed situation that, it should be very concerning. So why well, is that a positive reaction? He, he addressed the, the Senate today and he said that the Fed will let the market conditions dictate the pace of the purchases. And I think his, his exact words were, the Fed doesn't want to run through the bond market like an, like an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I honestly, yeah, I... We'll have to see how things shape up, but uh, there, there's been some news today. I, I believe I shared that with you um, earlier this morning about um, China. China is going through a second wave, apparently. We we brought this up on the podcast, you know, a couple of weeks ago. The, the risks of a second wave, and I think they're they're going as far as shutting down schools in in Hong Kong now. Yeah, so they shut down schools. Oh, I know Beijing. in Beijing, for, yeah, Beijing, they shut down schools, um, and uh, they're they're forcing people to stay in the capital and not not go elsewhere. I mean, Beijing is a country by itself. I don't know what the population is, but it should be something ridiculous. But so, I don't know. Is a second wave alarming in a sense that? it could be as bad as the first and maybe worse, or is it just another peak where it's not really a concern because things are more under control. We have more herd immunity 
<clears throat> immunity and, and, and the hospitals are able to handle the situation because of more exposure and time to deal with the, the virus. So these are the questions we don't really have the answers for. You don't have the answers for them, but I have the answers for them. <laughs> well, go ahead. What Share do you think them. I've been doing uh, while not checking my 500 notifications from the stock market? I've been researching as uh, COVID-19 to the layman. Oh, I thought uh, I thought you were writing your MCAT. <laughs> That's next year, man. I, I still need yeah. to uh, make enough attendees to actually purchase the textbooks. They're like 400 right. bucks, 1200. How much are they? Um, I don't know. You didn't, you've never looked into them. Uh, I may have, but let's, let's, let's not go there. <laughs> okay. That's besides the point. So basically you can have a second wave in my professional opinion, as long as it happens outside of China. Because you know they're going to be lying to you again. Right. But, but the thing is, if they're, you know, if, so yeah, like I, honestly, like when the numbers were, uh, you know, staying flat at around 80,000, I was like, this is complete BS. I don't buy those. But now they're saying that they're seeing a peak and an increase in cases. So the way I translate that is it's much worse than just that. Yeah, but fundamentally, are you going to trust China to tell the truth? They don't really have a very clean track record of telling the truth Fair. when it comes to news or accounting and, and financials. Right, but I mean, what benefit? Like, if, if they're hiding something or lying, okay, I get it. Maybe it's for them so that they can look better, kind of boost their GDP, encourage more like foreign investment. But how does it benefit them? if they're reporting new cases and telling the world that we could be facing a second wave, how, do, how does that benefit them? I have no idea, but didn't JP Morgan just raise GDP for the US, Europe, and China uh, yesterday? Did they? But, yeah, they did. They raised the G GDP estimates. But uh, the fact that we're going to have a second wave is not going to close the economy down because now everyone knows, you know, wear a mask, wash your hands, uh, older people, be careful. There's a lot of treatments. There's a lot of therapeutics in the works. Uh, the steroid one that came out today that moved the market uh, very early on in the day. And then Powell addressed the Senate and, and the market started to withdraw. seems like every time the Fed speaks, the market doesn't like it. That's my personal opinion. Right. Backed by that, of course. Of course. So, uh, but, so what's... Uh... Go ahead. I was going to say re retail data w was uh, pretty big today. Yeah. Um, was it the CEO of Yelp that came on uh, CNBC today to share their data? Um, apparently, 180,000 uh, locations have shut down. And a lot of them are facing a very, very hard time coming back into business. It was some interesting data. I have to look at the numbers again, but it, it's kind of alarming in a sense where a lot of them couldn't really afford to come back into business. So, Well, we, we are on the verge of a breakthrough here. I don't know why the market got excited, though, about Trump uh, 
pledging some money for infrastructure that literally right, has nothing to do with stocks. Right, but so, but there's fair, but there's two ways to stimulate the economy, either through fiscal stimulus or monetary policy, right? So monetary policy, we know that the Fed has been, you know, going bananas there. Uh, but on, on the fiscal side, so you can do two things. You can either um, <clears throat> reduce taxes, and they've done that, you know, since 2016. And then the other thing is uh, increase government spending. So government spending can be uh, a stimulus check or it could be, uh, you know, investing into inf infrastructure, infrastructure, like the way Trump sees it now. So uh, that's, that's a, a, they call it um, an easing policy. So you're easing situations, you're trying to boost the economy. So it's a positive thing. Do you think there's going to be another round of loans? Uh, uh, as things stand now, perhaps not, but, um, the interesting thing is that, um, or maybe what's concerning to me is the rental market, because we know a lot of people may have had a, a break for one or two months and they had those stimulus checks. Um, but what if they can't afford rent going forward? It's not like the government's going to, you know, pay the rent forever. So okay, how does that I, change? I'm sorry, but I don't think people are using their stimulus checks to pay their rent. Right. I mean, but, but that's part of the goal, right? To keep you, you know, un keep ahead under. I think it's to keep you fed. <laughs> it was like <laughs> yeah, $600 that... or $1,200. Like, how much do you think rent in New York is? There's no way you can afford to use that check to pay rent. If your landlord didn't... Uh you know, give you a break for a couple of months, most likely because they just didn't want to go through the trouble of evicting you because that would be a gathering of more than five people or 10 people or whatever it is. You're uh, not using that money to pay rent. Yeah, I mean, they can use it for whatever they want to use it for, but I think the point is... Drugs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, coming into the next couple of months, how, if, if people are going to remain, if they have enough cash flow essentially to keep paying rent and, you know, meeting their obligations and keep keeping their families fed and whether they're employed or not, that's, that's the question. I find I know cash flow to be a very yeah. elitist term. <laughs> it could be. I mean, for me, it's basics, but I but guess. like you know, people have a have a problem saving even fifty dollars a month. As a matter of fact, our listener question today, which I think is a, this is a perfect segue to address it. So the email subject was titled "Girlfriend makes fun of me." So I was like, okay, let me open this up. Let me read it. It's problem. Wait, what? What was it? Girlfriend makes fun of me. Oh my god! And then the email goes on to say so. Girlfriend makes fun of me for putting back $50 a paycheck to invest in the market. I only invest into bigger companies that will always be here, ETFs and such. I try to explain to her why I do it, but she constantly tells me that $50 could be put into savings or spent somewhere. Am I just dumb or what the heck? What do you think, I mean? How long has that relationship lasted? Because I would just dump that girl as soon as I can. Just okay, maybe not. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm kidding, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean that. that so that that's a. 
that's the problem, right? Because a lot of people don't see that bigger picture, right? About how, you know, you start with 50 bucks and then it's 75 bucks and then it's a hundred bucks and, th and then it's compounding and you're also learning. And then, you know, five years down the road, it's $300 and then it's the pile is growing. You have all that knowledge plus compounding. It's a big deal. Um, so keep on doing what you're doing and uh, try to educate your girlfriend maybe about why it's important. Uh, I, I mean, I have nothing else to add to that. Saving money is obviously never dumb. So as long as I, I would say I half agree with Amin. So if, if you already have like a three to six month in emergency funds as a cushion, then definitely take that $50 hairs, use something like uh, M1 Finance or Weeple, uh, something that allows you to purchase fractional shares and, uh, you know, start buying like 0 0.005 of a share of Amazon if you want with $50. I don't know if the math is right on that, but uh, yeah, def definitely is, is the right time to invest. And you notice every time that we have like a couple red days, the amount of posts asking uh, something along the lines of what are your top three stocks for the next 15 years <laughs> just substantially increase yeah and it's always 15 years and then the moment they make five percent it's okay we're good they're out <laughs> and, it's, and it's honestly it's always the answer is always like amazon apple microsoft microsoft is always there for uh, yeah so What's funny is that when I think when Apple hit hit a trillion dollars, I was like, okay, good for them. When are they going to hit two trillion dollars? Is it probably another five to ten years? And then literally twelve months later, they're at one point five trillion. I never saw that coming for sure. Well, it's much. E it's what's that saying? It's it's much easier to go from a hundred million to a billion than a hundred thousand to a million. Right, but this is completely different. We're not talking about like investing your money as an individual, right? This is a, the biggest company by market cap out there, um, and they own a significant market share, a significant share of the market. So, I mean, good for you, Buffett. You are right on that one. Can we can we talk about shorting Zoom for a second here? Okay, sorry. First of all. I want to talk about Hertz. So Hertz fully came out and said, dudes, if you buy this new stock offering, it's 100% going to be worthless. And people are still buying it. Why? Yeah, yeah it, 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 I mean, it's, it's gambling. Why do be, why do, why do people gamble? I think casinos really found a way to monetize hope that's that's why people gamble it's hope yeah uh hope I, yeah i mean it, it definitely starts as hope um you know what now that i think about it people that are actually addicted to gambling um when they go back knowing that the odds are still against them and they're more likely to lose money knowing they also have a gambling problem and still showing up tells me that, you know, perhaps as a species, we're very hopeful by nature. We're trying yeah. to, yeah, I don't know how to put it into words precisely, but it's something along those lines.
and casinos have you know profited a lot over the years by monetizing hope they were like the original monetizers of hope and now since the casinos are closed i think a lot of gamblers have moved on to the stock market and i don't know what percentage of people are gamblers in the stock market on a good day versus a covid day like how yeah. much do you think it is like 15 percent gambling um gambling 15 percent i i don't know it's definitely is you know significant yeah maybe around there but, but i mean institu institutional funds gamble all the time too because they don't really buy the fundamentals sometimes they have to you know liquidate investments knowing they're really good only because the positions are very liquid and they have to sell or get out that's what i was about to say market makers are pretty much gamblers because their entire job is just to create liquidity sometimes they just buy and sell to each other just to you know get the yeah. market moving i agree and it's pretty sad because the whole i mean the major funds are um they have to really meet benchmarks and they have to keep the clients happy and for them to keep them happy they don't always have to make the right decisions right um and, you know, you can't really educate, you know, 30 million people about why they should be patient about seeing their portfolio go in the red for three years because it's good for them. And they, you can't really educate everybody about fundamentals and finance. So they have to do things where it's easier to just meet a benchmark and see and be like, okay, so the S&P did this, we're there and, you know, we beat the S&P by 1%. So even though the S&P lost 20%, you've only lost 15. So good for you, you know? So, I don't know. It pisses me off, to be honest. Yeah, but, you know, it's what moves the markets. Uh, the markets that we love, the markets that we adore, the markets that we look forward to every Friday between 8 p.m. And, and Sunday at 6 p.m. when the futures open. We're just, you know, that meme from Narcos where he's by himself. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much us every weekend. Yeah, <laughs> back to shorting zoom. So I read an article yesterday on the verge that Microsoft Microsoft makers of Microsoft teams, not surprising, are going to increase their, uh, I guess, layout for video calls to 49 by this fall. So that's going to be on par with Zoom for the number of displayed users at once. Teams right now, I believe, is four going shortly to nine and then 49 this fall. And I think that's probably the advantage that Zoom may have had. So do we short Zoom now? Do we buy some puts? <laughs> Shorting, I mean, is going to be expensive. There's absolutely yeah. no broker on this earth that's going to let you borrow shares for for a reasonable uh, interest rate. Yeah, so I I wouldn't do that. I mean, it's too risky for me. But what what's really what I mean, the big question here is so my, Microsoft owns Skype. I believe it was a f close to a 5 billion dollar acquisition. Ah, uh, they killed the, Skype back, back in the day. I mean, how did you miss this? I mean, out of nowhere Zoom just comes in and takes your market share. I mean, People used to say, oh, let me Skype you, let me Skype this guy, especially for people that have, you know, friends and family, you know, um, in different parts of the globe. Um, 
now it's like, oh, okay, let me zoom you. Or uh, if somebody says, let me Skype you, it's like, okay, what's your Zoom ID? It's, it's really? Yeah, it's, it was along but, the same lines as uh, you should Google it. And then Microsoft yeah. bought them and completely just missed the point. But, uh, you know, Microsoft management is was not all that it has cracked up to be in the past eight years with that uh, new gentleman, Sathya and, and Della, something along the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm actually growing. I'm becoming a bigger fan of him day by day. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's all luck. I don't think it's all luck. I think he had a huge part to play in, you know, its recent success. So because, you know, the cloud was his idea and he pushed for it and it was a big bet, but I think it's paying out and, it, and you know, good for them. As long as they get to keep that uh, Jedi contract with the Pentagon, but, you know, Amazon going after their lunch. But maybe Amazon is a lot less busy going after that contract now right. that they're trading at, what, like $2,600 a share now? Almost $3,000 a share. <laughs> Fucking insane. Something else that's insane, we talked about this on the pod. I don't think we recorded an episode since it has happened. Tesla has finally exceeded $1,000 per share. And we are very much ahead of their earnings report of 22nd July. I was not expecting $1,000 a share until at least right before earnings or after. But now yeah. I'm thinking long $400 puts expiring 24th of July. Really? Well, I mean, earnings can be good. I've been browsing the subreddits, the Model Y subreddit to be specific. <laughs> there have been so many fucking problems with paint, with panels mismatch, with customer service. It's It's been insane. It has not reflected very well on Tesla. So I think there's been a struggle on the manufacturing side as well as on the service and support side. So, I, I mean, I don't know how that translates financially yeah. to earnings, at least the support right. and quality side. People, I'm sure, are still buying Model Ys or they already bought them months ago and they're just getting the delivery now. I mean, if you're right about that one, you're going to triple or quadruple your money in a matter of, well, a single day, really, after their report. So it could be worth the bet, but it's a gamble as far as I'm concerned. I'm just, you know, kind of confused. Why are their options expiring on the 24th of July? Isn't that like a holiday? <laughs> well, well, that's that's the whole point, right? Um, the holiday is on. Uh, well, they expire on a Friday, so do they have the Friday off? So it's on, expiring on Thursday. I have no idea. That that's why I'm kind of, I'm a bit confused. And Tesla hasn't officially announced when their earnings will be. But once that does happen, on the next rally, sure. yeah, I kid you not, the four hundred dollar puts. Even though they're still expensive, goddamn Tesla options are expensive. Right. Like I, I honestly don't know what to do. I love Tesla as much as the next guy, but there's no way they can meet expectations this quarter with all the shit that's going on. Is that because you own some shares at about two hundred bucks a share um only like four months ago? And you're no, salty no, no. because this you is, This is completely not not saltiness. I'm trying to approach this from a logical perspective. Also, why the fuck is Quest Trade advertising to me? 
I find that funny and cute because I know they're wasting their dollars when they do that. Um, uh, should, I sometimes... I, should I click on it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the cost per click? Like a dollar ten, a dollar twenty. Honestly, honestly, well, that industry should shouldn't be as competitive. <laughs> so I'm guessing it should be below a dollar. Well, I mean, Quostrade definitely has the money to spend on ad dollars. To sell a single options contract is four ninety five in commission. Right. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, funny story. Yesterday, when I was closing my uh, Dave and Buster options, Interactive Brokers paid me twenty one cents in commission. I literally saw commission minus zero point two one. So I got paid to do a trade. I'm, I'm officially a professional trader. I'm literally being <laughs> paid to trade. That's, that's funny. I mean, even though I don't yeah. make my own money, I get paid on the commission. Right. Huh. This is a, a new level and only reaching this pinnacle of achievement only four years after I started. I think that's an accomplishment. No comment. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember setting out to make around a million dollars by the time I was 26. That was two years ago. I don't think I hit that. Do you think I should reevaluate a goal and aim to make a million by 30 just through trading, though? Just through trading, you want to make a million bucks? A million by 30. Um. Yeah, I don't think that's very realistic because the amount of risk you have to take um, is going to put you in a situation where it's literally a gamble. So I, I don't think it's a realistic goal. I, you know, I would aim for um, maybe something between 25 to 30% a year um, compounded. That, that's that's pretty reasonable um, if you're insightful. Have you ever actually lost sleep due to having money in the stock market? have to think about that one like lost have, have you, has it legitimately kept you up at night that you have so much of your net worth invested no. in basically fake money no that's that's never happened but sometimes i'd be uh like i know certain companies reporting before the bell so i would just my like my my brain would be i don't know preoccupied. i guess uh preoccupied yeah thinking about it and then i'll be up at like maybe two hours before the market opens and just read the news and go over it that way in that sense. But I, I don't think I've ever lost sleep. Honestly, if it, all, if, it all, if it all goes to zero, let it be. So I totally agree with you. I mean, whether the account is like low five figures or low six figures, it's just scales, right? Especially, especially when you're investing in such huge companies like Amazon, Google, Facebook, or Apple, I mean, having 100 shares or having 1,000 shares, that's not really a big deal in a stock perspective yeah. for those names. I mean, I was going to say it's pretty hard to, you know, blow away your account, but it's not. But if you really know what you're doing and you're managing risk, then it's really pretty hard. Especially if it's you're selling like... short puts. I mean... <laughs> If they're cash unsecured, maybe that's another thing. But uh, um, it's kind of like saying, oh, if I'm 100% into Apple, 
can I go bankrupt? The answer is no, because Apple's not going to go bankrupt anytime soon. But you could lose 20%. That's realistic. But who cares? You will go through times where your belief in the company is shaken because there's usually a lot of FUD around these big names. Uh, for people who don't uh-huh. know what FUD is, it's uh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Basically, people just writing bullshit to drive the stock down. But the reason why I brought that up is because I did read a post earlier about the schmuck who sold most of his stocks for his mental well-being. And I think he said 25% of his portfolio was like in speculative stocks. Yeah. And he had too much of his net worth invested that it was causing him to actually lose sleep at night. And the most recent crash made him realize that he was in a bad position because he didn't have any more money he was willing to put in the market. And he saw a lot of companies at steep discounts, but he did not have any cash to buy them. Yeah. Um, that, that's, a, that's actually the worst because yeah, it's generally a good idea to keep some money in cash, but you know, in a, in a hot market, it's, you know, you're all, you're trying to be remain invested as much as possible. Maybe you're 80%, um, you know, into stocks and 20% cash, but that 20% is not really enough to load up on those sales sometimes. So it's pretty frustrating. I've been there for sure. So two things I like to say to that is one that's called keeping dry powder. And if you find yourself not having enough dry powder, you need to get a margin account. Last15pod at gmail.com. Welcome back to season two, everyone. We're looking forward to Q2 earnings coming up in just a couple short weeks. The market will get a lot more exciting then. We're expecting to see a lot of volatility. I'll see what happens. Talk to you guys next time.